You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. It smells like nutmeg. Close pumpkin. Pumpkin. There's, There's probably a, nutmeg in there. there. Oh, I'm sure there is. It's officially pumpkin season. No, it's uh, not. Yes, it is. Dunkin' Donuts has pumpkin, and now it's pumpkin. That's the only thing I will get on board with. I I don't care about Halloween. I don't care about anything in October except for pumpkin. Everything. I don't care how much of a basic bitch it makes me. Halloween is the best time of the year. Oh, it's not as awful. Although I did watch a scary movie this week. Wow. I'm pretty proud of myself. I haven't really had any nightmares. I couldn't sleep for the first night, but last What's night. What scary it's movie? Like, it's called Ready or Not. And it's Is basically it a bride who finds out on her wedding night that she marries into like this gaming. I'm not, I'm not spoiling anything. She marries into this gaming uh, mm. empire. And they said they have to play hide and seek. Or yeah, whatever. they have yeah, to play yeah. hide and seek, and then it turns out that they're trying to kill her. Yeah, and so like that's the whole movie of her like trying to survive as this crazy family tries to kill her on her wedding night, and it was good. Imagine does she, I hmm? was going to ask if she still gets married at the end, but we can't. We <laughs> well, can't. she's already married. It's does she stay oh, married at the end? Oh, oh. That's the thing. Dun 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 dun. Would you stay married to your groom if you found out that he had a crazy family that was going to try to kill you on your wedding night? I mean, if you're into it, <laughs> if you're like, yeah, let's do if it. If you're bitch, like, come I'm on. the biggest true crime, true crime fan ever, and this happened to me, staying in this family. Yeah. Well, the Can thing we do is that every she... Thanksgiving, <laughs> you're like, yes. <laughs> no, the thing that's really sh- shitty about it, which they say in the preview, so again, I'm not spoiling, is that like he doesn't tell her before. Mm-hmm. Like, just mention it. Be like, hey, if By you want to marry me, my family's um, gonna try to kill you. Yeah, and if you're down with that, we should totally do this. But like, at least give her a heads up. Not like she's already in it and fuck you too bad you can't leave now yeah so it was it was actually good but you know it's because it's one of those psycho thrillers there wasn't really much supernatural to it there's a little bit of an aspect that's your weakness supernatural and see for me Mm -hmm. supernatural is easy Mm -hmm. because i don't believe in any of it anyways so like Mm -hmm. it's full fantasy to me but when i'm like watching a scary movie and it's like I don't know, some doctor who's like dissecting people and killing them that way. Mm. That's what gets me because I'm like, that could actually happen. I don't know. I it's really sad because I don't believe in supernatural, but I guess it's just my Baptist upbringing of believing in hell and the devil that like I can't. You have an instinctual fear. Yeah, I'm just just like, but it could be. Yeah, (laughs) right. But you have like a fear that was just like drilled into your brain for so long. Yeah, to you, I could see how you know it just adds that element. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I annoy, I avoid that, but still. Um. But I did. I went to a scary movie. I go to you. one about every three years. Um. I watch one, and um. Now I'm set for another three years. My last one was Get Out, which was excellent. That as was well. really good. I liked the um psychological. Oh yeah, that was excellent. But it did traumatize me for about two years. Not like you're like I'm not going to a therapy, which is anymore. really stupid because I'm so white and I would have no reason to to be afraid. <laughs> but I. <laughs> and I and it's sad. I kept telling myself like, "You're white. You're safe." Isn't that awful? That but is. still, I was still was terrified because <laughs> it, you know I was so traumatized by that. Mm. So in uh, <coughs> recent, <coughs> the cyanide's taking effect. <laughs> in uh, recent developments, I've joined the gym. Yes, and Evan taught me how to do some arm and chest things yesterday and I couldn't turn my steering wheel on the ride home. Mm. So that shows you how thorough the exercise was. 
It was very, it was very limited. I don't want people to think that I was abusing your body. You did three exercises <laughs> with supersets, which, by the way, it. they were at like thirty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, light weights, three sets of three exercises. But and- I was hurting. Uh, I don't think I've ever used any of those muscles ever before in my life. I am now almost certain that any time I ever lifted anything heavy, it was fully with my back. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know why my back always aches. I never use it. Uh, I learned there was a lot more muscles in my arms than I thought. I didn't know you could hurt in that many places in your arm. Um, but yeah. yeah. So here's to progress. <laughs> there you go. Paul and I are training for a 5K as well. Mm. Um, who knows if we'll ever make it. What's it fucking called? The turkey trot? The turkey trot. This is the most Indiana thing I've ever heard of on the East Coast. It is not Indiana. It's, well, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's just like. They're like, actually, it was started in Indiana and then everybody <laughs> adopted it. <laughs> Probably. The fucking turkey. What is that turkey it's trot? Just a, it's, it's a 5K for Thanksgiving. Why don't you just call it the Thanksgiving run? No, that's dumb. Turkey trot is a lot more fun. Okay. People have fun with 5Ks. That's the thing about a 5K is that supposedly anybody can do it. Not that we believe we can do it. Well, the thing is you can walk it. (laughs) That's true. But I, if I, when we do it, I want to be able to run it or at least jog it. Yeah. I want to like fully do it. Not just go and walk. That's completely reasonable. It's only like three and a half miles. Yeah. Like we can do it. I got to get my stamina up. Well, the app I use says I can get to like a 5K in eight weeks. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're gonna we're gonna run this 5K mm-hmm. and it's we should do it in your queer story merch. Yeah, we should. We should have a your queer story 5K next summer. Oh but, lord. Yeah. If we can <laughs> first, we have to tackle the turkey trot. First, we have to be able to do this. Mm. And really, it's not that difficult. This is why it's so sad. It's gonna be us and like some ten year olds, some women in their seventies. <laughs> like my my wife's aunts will probably be walking along. Your wife with the broken foot still. <laughs> exactly. And we're like, God, I don't know if we can do this. <laughs> it's not a fucking marathon. Well, the thing is, I know I could walk it no problem. Like that yeah. would be the thing. But no, no, but- you want to run it? Yeah, I'm with you. I want to do the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's that. I think I should wear the sodomite shirt. I think um, that'd be really fun. See, family, that's the one family place. friendly event, you know? <laughs> that's the one place I feel like it may, may not be appropriate. Um, <laughs> but yes. No, um, we have some good shirts that are family friendly. Actually, Vima gave me a great idea, which I need to put into um, effect like mm-hmm. some succulents on a shirt and then just wear the word sapphist on front of it and like really fancy letters oh yeah succulent sapphist wow like we, we just need to hire vima on right? at this point hire her on with um the money that we don't have <laughs> yeah um if you want to sponsor us reach out yes yes um also if you'd like to become a patreon um it really helps thank you to our patreons we don't say thank you enough but we that's really why don't. we have this podcast uh, so yeah. if you're listening um you need to thank a patreon today they pay for everything. Um, thank them in whatever way you feel is appropriate. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Our, our patrons are like, uh, I know. It's like your sister. <laughs> They're like, please like, just maybe don't just forget about a, us. A thank you is fine. Maybe nothing else. Um, but yeah, yeah. If you're listening, is because of Patreon, and honestly, even three dollars a month helps a lot. We have some Patreons that donate more, and we truly appreciate some it. Some Patreons who donate a lot more, yeah, and, and really you. have like literally financed this podcast themselves, and uh, we do appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but you're listening to your queer story, yes. the podcast that promotes peace, oh my god, love and radicalism. My, this is my fault. I apologize because I've let this get out of hand. No, let we have had people around. reach out and say. That they feel that motto so deeply in their life. (laughs) And that was me. (laughs) No, somebody really did say that they feel like that's how they feel right now. That's true. They did say that. But also, it is a queer history podcast. and A um, comedy queer history podcast. Yes, that's always important to throw in there. Um, Because sometimes we make light of things. Because if you can't laugh through life... I was telling my... um, a therapist the other day which so samantha and i have gone to couples therapy not because we have like problems but because we got some good advice that like you know you should go it's to, good to be proactive exactly like go to couples therapy have someone learn to tell you like you reach a point in your relationship where you're having the same arguments over and over again and in, in their little arguments but like clearly something's not being communicated let me tell you david and i have had the same arguments and i've just given up like you <laughs> have the point. you have twice as many pairs of shoes as me you don't always have to wear my my shoes to go outside <laughs> um 
you can put your shoes next to the door instead of all over the floor. You can put your dishes in the dishwasher instead of leaving them on the table. But see, that's the thing, though. I've just accepted it and moved on. Well, yeah, there's some things (laughs) that you accept that, like, you're different. You can hang your keys up so you're not looking for them for half hour the next day. The point is, every time you have that argument, it adds a layer of resentment. And those layers build up over the years. And then one day you completely snap over him not finding his keys. And then I stab him and shove him down the stairs. Exactly. That's why people murder their spouses. (laughs) And we think it's these deep things. Oh, he had an affair. But no, half the time it's just like fucking stupid it's like um in chicago when the woman murders her husband because he popped his gum one too many times so um anyways my hope where was i going with this my point was that now i don't even remember what i was saying i was telling you went the to couple, you started to go about yeah therapy. we went to couples therapy but i was telling them that they're oh because i have this really awful habit which if you dated or married me would hate and that's why samantha's a saint but when i am is it the sunflower seeds no it's not the sunflower seeds though that has been a grievance no (laughs) it is the fact that i when something's really serious i laugh i do it all the time oh my god i remember i got a (laughs) write-up from my upper manager (laughs) and i just this is when i was okay this is when i was a store manager for a major retail company my, the district manager sat there and was writing me up and they're like, you know, you're really just not doing a good job at this. And I was laughing. Yeah. And it, and it was just because it was uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, I went through the, one of the worst breakups I've ever gone through and started cracking up in the middle. And she's she's like, are you seriously laughing right now? And I was like, I'm sorry. It's it's not you. It's just the situation. But I, <laughs> so, I can't handle it. My body doesn't know yeah. what to do. <laughs> Which so that's why we have to add comedy onto this because when things are so awful and uncomfortable, we just start cracking up. Hope to God we never get surrounded by like a group of Nazis or something because we're <clears throat> gonna be murdered. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, anyways, we should probably get around to our subject. We're talking. We're the last episode of World History Month. Yes. Um. This is, I believe, our second or third largest listener group. Surprisingly, yeah. really high up there. Maybe fourth. I don't remember anymore. Wow. It's changed a couple times. So. Yeah. Um. Thank you to our Australian listeners, and today we are actually talking about some Australian true crime. I was listening to my accent last week, and and even though I knew it was bad, when I was saying it, I was like, wow, this is pretty good. And then when I was listening to it, I was like, wow, that's really awful. (laughs) Is that going to stop me from doing it this episode? Absolutely not. That's why we got Australian listeners. I'm telling you, they heard it and they shared it around. Exactly. They're like, wow, this is is so, it's it's insulting, really. But you're welcome to make fun of us. Um, there's plenty to make fun of America right now. Oh, 100%. (laughs) You don't have to look very far. You know, we're actually, Brazil actually put Donald, a Brazil con, a Brazilian condom company (laughs) put Donald Trump in one of their advertisements. It was a condom with Donald Trump inside of it, like trying to get out of the condom and it said some baby shouldn't have been born. Oh my God. (laughs) Yep. That's us. Just laughing stuck around the country, around around the the world. world. Yeah. Country. But also the country. But yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, yeah. Um, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about true crime. Um, and we know you've been waiting for it. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a stretch. I mean, it is true crime, but um, I don't know. It's, it's a, it falls into a weird category of true crime. But it's time to head to the land down under. As we arrive in Australia for our final episode during World Listeners Month, and since this is episode 66, we did feel it was necessary to go a little dark. Though we want to make it clear this is in no way meant as a statement on our friends in the southern continent. We are quite aware that Australia is no more violent than any other country or continent. In fact, we in America have no room to talk when it comes to violence. We only make the statement to address old stigmas about parts of Australia that were once founded as British prison colonies. Today, most locals have turned this assumed shame into badges of honor. As for our topic today, it has nothing to do with Australia's past, but rather a desire to shine light on mysteries that have gone unsolved for over 30 years. Cue creepy true crime music. Horrendous crimes committed against queer Australians. Let us dive into the tale of the cliffs of death. And yes, I did want to like clarify that. like Because I think that Australia has a, a stigma. And um, we don't want to like play on that stigma. It just happened to me that was the episode. It needs. Yeah. It's something that needs to be discussed. It needs and to be something discussed. Something that needs more light. It does. 
The air was unseasonably warm and the night dark as a 27-year-old Scott Johnson ran along the white cliffs of New South Wales. He was panting and terrified. In the darkness, shrieks of laughter and taunting from teenage boys erupted across the open field. They had found their prey. Surrounding Johnson, the boys continued their jeers, no doubt threatening to beat him senseless. The reasons for the hunt are unclear. It could have simply been teen rowdiness spurred on by toxic masculinity, or it could have been an initiation into the gang through poofter bashing, which is, I guess, the slang term in Australia. For gays, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Whatever the reason, Scott Johnson, an American mathematician and a gay man, was the target. Any gay man would do, but Johnson happened to be the poor bloke at the wrong place at the wrong time. As the boys drew closer to the frightened man, someone instructed Johnson to strip naked, perhaps promising him freedom if he complied with their humiliation. Scott neatly placed his clothes and belongings into a pile. Of course he did. He probably folded them. Right. What happened next, we do not know. But we do know that Scott Johnson was forced off the cliff to his death. Over the next decade, at least 27 gay men would face the same death after being hunted on after being hunted on the White Cliffs by the homophobic gangs. No weapons were needed, as one assailant later admitted. The easiest thing with the cliff is just hurting them over the edge. Though Johnson's body was found within a few days, police ruled the death a suicide, which were not uncommon on the White Cliffs, even to this day. However, even if there had been ample evidence of murder, it is unlikely the New South Wales Police of 1988 would have done anything. This is partly why hunting gay men became such a popular sport. The police hated the queers just as much as other residents of Australia during this time. Just a decade earlier, the gays and lesbians of the Gay Solidarity Group had attempted a march down Oxford Street in what would eventually be known as Sydney's Mardi Gras. However, they were cut off by police, who arrested 53 people and dragged them to the city's prison. Once inside, the police beat several of the organizers before releasing them the next morning without charge. After all, the protesters had done nothing to violate the law. Regardless, the city's newspaper published the account of all 53 arrested individuals outing them and costing many their jobs and livelihood. But Mardi Gras would become the Stonewall of Australia, sparking a continental revolution. They set it off. Huh? They what? They set it off. Yep. Now, 10 years later, while several states had passed laws decriminalizing homosexuality, the attitude of bigotry still rang high. In Australia, a commonly used term is moral panic. Themes of these panics have been seen throughout various Western cultures for centuries, ranging on a wide assorted assortment of societal fears. And the most common triggles, triggers, triggles, <laughs> <laughs> and the most common triggers of moral panic stem from minorities gaining a voice and taking a place in mainstream culture. In the late 80s and early 90s, Australia was the was in the throes of a deep moral panic over gay rights. It is estimated that up to 20 attacks a day were brought against queer individuals and LGBTQ organizations. The justification for this violence was blamed on the AIDS epidemic, in the same way violence against queer Americans was perpetuated and ignored. And just like in the States, police in Australia rarely ever investigated crimes against queer Aussies, and therefore LGBTQ citizens rarely reported their abuse. Yeah, so, like, the moral panic defense, like, I mean... It's the same, like, um, gay gay panic. Yeah, gay panic defense in America, let's call it, like, whatever, like, in Britain, same thing. Like, any Western, like I said, the Western white civilizations, the moral panic, where, like, it's okay that we're acting this way, it's okay for Reagan to ignore the people dying of AIDS, it's okay for uh, 20 attacks a day. Which is insane, because Australia, I don't know size, how big it is. I mean, I, mean, it's I know it's big. a good size. In, in but... re- relation to the United States, I don't know, but I mean, it's very, relatively right. big, yeah. It's a large continent. Attacks, right. 20 attacks a day, though, for an area of that size. Yeah. I don't know. And I mean, the... that's that's 20, like, reported, recorded right, attacks. Right, exactly. You know, that's the thing. Like, in, in, just, in, in the 80s and 90s, when most people aren't even reporting it. So you're having this happen. Um, just And it's... It's just, it's okay. It's justified because right. we've got to stop this uh, we've got to disease. stop the gays. That's right. Keep them from coming. That's right. Literally. Of course, the roots of homophobia ran back centuries. Linked to, to Christianity. The, <laughs> linked to white European settlers who were Christian, <laughs> who claimed the continent for their own in 1788. The British captain who first colonized the country wrote to London's colonial secretary a year before his discovery. 
There are two crimes. <clears throat> I guess this is Britain. <clears throat> there are two crimes that would merit death: murder and sodomy. For either of these you crimes, to fuck his wife in the ass. Excuse me, sir. I'm I'm having a conversation here. For either of these crimes, I would wish to confine the criminal till an opportunity offered of delivering him as a prisoner to the natives of New Zealand and let them eat him. The dread of this will operate much stronger than the fear of death. As writer Robert French put it, Australia was quite literally founded on homophobia. The prison colony was meant to confine the most egregious criminals, and as the captain stated, the sodomites were right there with the murderers. So you got an island founded by gay men and murderers. <laughs> so, <laughs> Interesting I don't know. combination. Very interesting combination. Probably terrified. Also, a lot of fucking. Like, I don't know. They're like, all right, we're going to take all you boys. We're just going to put you on your own island. And they're like, okay. I mean, right. that's what you wanna, if that's really what you have to if do. If you guys insist, I mean, I guess we will. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Many people were executed for the crimes of sodomy while on the island. Others were forced into more ins- inventive forms of death, such as two former sailors who were caught in the act. They were placed on separate, smaller islands and left without food or water. So that, like that picture of like two men, like on like little islands, like that literally would happen. Like they find a little, the smallest piece of land, and they'd put Just you like on there. Sand, like, yeah, the like literally, like the sand in the tree, and they'd leave you there, and that was it, and you would just die because you couldn't drink the water and you had no way to get food. Right. That would be horrible. Yeah. Um, women, too, suffered under the illicit acts law. Being sent to the female factories were wet, were, were wet, oh my God, where weathered and rundown buildings housed approximately 1,000 prisoners at any given time. The area around the housing was frequently flooded, creating swamp-like conditions. The houses were divided into three classes of women. Those in the top class were considered little threat and were soon sent off to work as slaves for the government officials and wealthy citizens. The cl- second class were kept on the ground. However, they received lighter work details and provided better housing and better meals. The third class were considered the true criminals. These women were often drunkards, thieves, harlots, insubordinate females, and lesbians. The third class women were overworked and underfed, Under. and many never left the prison alive. And a lot of these women would come to um, the prisons and they would be um, pregnant, and they often pregnant because they were raped or pregnant because mm-hmm. they are, it was just that they had an illicit affair, and so they were sent to these prisons. And of over 700 children, uh, almost 300 died in the prisons. Damn. And this was, then the factories were considered an upgrade because before this, the women were put in the colonies with the men, mm-hmm. but there was so much violence against them that they then moved them to these yeah, factories. Yeah, sure raped, especially if oh, they're yeah. with like murderers. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah, you're, you're with like the worst criminals. You know, the, the safest people are the gay men, mm-hmm. you know, and... <clears throat> So they're put in these factories with these awful conditions. They have no food. And and like and like when I say insubordinate females, like that was any like it was just you didn't comply with society standards right. of the day and you refused to comply. If you did comply, you could move up to second and eventually third class or first class. But if you refused to like obey their stories, if you kept getting caught with another woman, you stayed at third class. Jesus. Yeah. But even as Australia evolved into a land of free colonies during the 1800s, the stigma and fear of homophobia still rang clear. During London's 1895 trial of Oscar Wilde, which we'll cover one day, Jesus, I don't know. It's like the Alan Turing where for a year is like, we're going to get around to him. (laughs) One (laughs) One of the most prominent figures. I know, right? One Australian paper reported on the evil of sodomy. A state of things in London as regards this horrible vice is also the condition of affairs in Sydney. It is idle for people to shut their eyes to this fact. It has been planted here by the English exiles. The men who escaped the Cleveland Strait prosecution found shelter in Australia, and there are many of them at present in Sydney. The fear generated by the wild trial carried on well into the 20th century so the reporter was literally saying like all those queers they left and they found shelter here they're they're hiding here among us (laughs) as As police honed in on gay cruising unknown gay cruising sites and regularly patrolled the areas and of course they often had the public's help in tracking down the poofters as in other parts of the world during this time killing a gay was considered a public service it's just a little sport killing a fag that's right But despite the uphill battle, queer Aussies still fought on. By the late 50s, they had begun to form coalitions. And by the mid-1960s, groups such as the Homosexual Law Reform 
and the Australian lesbian movement were openly campaigning to end sodomy laws. However, because of the intense danger of being openly queer, these groups were all led by heterosexual allies. Which is cool. Good, like That's nice yeah. that you know people were willing to take that risk. Yeah. Then in 1970, gay activists burst out of the closet when the campaign against moral persecution, camp, was featured in Australian magazine. Of course, camp. I don't know if that's where the term camp came it from, but... might I, be. You yeah, maybe know. they like did that on purpose to like reference you know mm-hmm. the the term camp but yeah that's pretty cool along with a picture of gay founders jonathan ware and christian paul christabel oh you just like completely Wait, what jonathan oh, ware and christabel what Pohl. does that sentence mean the the <clears throat> oh it's in the magazine why is it its own sentence that's not along a with a picture of gay founders what do you mean Along with the picture of gay founders, Jonathan... That's, okay. not, a com- that's right, not a proper fine. sentence. Fine, whatever. Fuck you, boy. You're some anyway, kind of English major. There was a picture of these two founders <laughs> in the magazine. Why don't you just write the script from uh, now on? I might have to, so it makes sense. This was the first time a major publication had shown homosexuals in any kind of favorable light. In fact, it was the first time two men had been open and unashamed of their sexual orientation on such a public forum. Usually the papers only carried pictures of and articles of disgraced queer people after they had been arrested for illicit acts, aka yeah. sucking dick. Exactly, and it was a it was a huge deal because, like, like I said, that that was all you saw before. You always saw gay people in such a negative light, right. and then and it's like it's criminals. Like, mm-hmm. um, oh my god, there's a hair on this monitor. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, like you, you know, they're always shown on the newspapers as these criminals, and the way media portrays a group of people really has an effect on how the general public perceives oh, yeah. them. Because if they're only shown in a negative light, mm-hmm. which currently happens in America with several minority groups, yep. um, that is how the general population who is not exposed, you know, to more liberal ideas or not exposed to those people on an everyday basis, that's how they perceive them because they don't have any experience with them it's othering them othering them exactly and it's interesting that you say that because we're actually going to talk about that later but we're going to talk about it as far as the um abusers and the way they were othered it's Mm -hmm. really interesting but it's true you other people and so it's easier you create this um atmosphere where it's okay to kill a gay person because they're animals right they're disgusting and it's it's okay to do that it's okay to be inhumane to them Mm mm-hmm and but the thing with the camp incorporated is that they put a face of just two normal, well-adjusted gay men, and that threw all of Australia into a tailspin because right, now everything. Like, Wait, those are real people, right? Exactly. Now there's like this whole outrage because now now that you see the divide where like some people are saying like, hey, hang on a second, we we need to review how we treat these people, and other are like, no, stop trying to to humanize these poofters. Mm-hmm. I don't know how offensive poofter is in yeah, Australia. Yeah, sorry so, if we're like sorry. basically thrown the f word yeah left and right (laughs) really sorry about that um so with this new wave of openness came a fresh sweep of moral panic as some members of the public began to take it upon themselves to shut the queers up through any means necessary that's also not a a sentence is it you know what paul no you would have just put it at the end of queers up through any means necessary period well because i want it to the gravity of it shut them up period put a comma any i like the period because it shut them up period through any means necessary, uh, this I can tell you went to just, a Christian school. You're just That's crushing my creativity. <laughs> 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 okay, you know what? Maybe my English isn't great. Maybe my science isn't there. But let me tell you about the Bible because I know some <laughs> shit about the Bible. <laughs> it's always helpful to have like you know beneficial information in the back of your brain yeah you know you can uh, use that in your everyday I life i can read the hell out of like some 16th 15th century text okay so you, that's actually a good skill, yeah though. it actually is a skill so my reading comprehension is great but my writing is not as great <laughs> All right. It is the culmination of centuries of homophobia and public officials' rejection of the queer community that inspired an extreme violent, expired the extreme violence perpetuated against LGBTQ individuals during the 1980s and early 90s. And that is why stories such as the gay gang murders came to fruition. That is why teenage boys took it upon themselves to hunt and kill at least 27 gay men, most likely a lot more, but these are... 
right. what we know. What we know exactly. Yeah. The gangs hunting the men varied. There was no stated there was no stated conspiracy to rid the world of queer men. No secret meetings between these hunters with drawn plans on how to achieve their goals. It was simply an innate hatred towards what society had deemed ill, diseased, sinful, unnatural. The hunting grounds were near the notorious cruising grounds of Mark's Park in Bondi. Bondi? One of Bondi? The I think it's Bondi. Sounds right. Sounds Bondi. like a very Australian Bondi. Yeah. It has been reported that during the 80s, one could find anywhere from 50 to 100 men in search for, of a quick hookup. That was uh, so like, any night. That right, that's like night. the original grinder. <laughs> yeah, really? Like you just walk out there and you're like, um, I choose bloop, you. Bloop. And you just look at him you, and you're like, bloop, yep, bloop, the grinder. <laughs> just point. <laughs> yep. And because it was known that the park was such a popular cruising area, or beat, it was also known that police would avoid the area making the cruisers easy prey for the gay bashers. As one gay man put it, they know of and hunt in the same territories as the fags they want to bash and kill. And if coppers did show up, they were there for the same reason as the gangs. Hunting in Mark's parks and along the cliffs of Bondi Beach was considered a public sport. At least that's the literal terminology used by one basher where he told detectives, something to do, mate. It's not fun. It's a sport in Redfern. Oh, that's probably not an Australian accent. Oh, it's a fucking hobby, mate. What are you doing tonight, boys? Oh, just bash, just going fag bashing. Yeah, that was like eight accents blended into one. Yeah, no. mostly American. <laughs> what? Yeah, I I tried. You did, yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, no. But that's what I say. When we say sport, like that was what they that was the word they used. Like mm-hmm. it, literally, that's what you do. You're like, oh, we're bored tonight. Let's go out and bash some fags. Like, come on, boys. You know, that's what you did. Yeah. A year after Scott Johnson was herded off a cliff that December night in 1987, TV anchor Ross Warren disappeared on a pathway in Marks Park. His body was never found, though his keys were found at the bottom of the cliffs. However, it is highly possible evidence of Warren's kidnap and murder could, not, could have been discovered, but police could not be bothered to form any type of real investigation. Even the smallest procedures such as crime scene photos and area canvas scene were not performed. Like they find his keys at the bottom of the cliff, no body. They're like, and they're wow, I wonder like, how these got down here. Must like, have oh, dropped them. <laughs> you know what it's like when you just drop your keys off at the bottom of a cliff. Right, yeah, it happens all the time. Right, yeah. Haven't you done it? Exactly. The Bondi police quite literally ignored the disappearance of Ross Warren, which given his public prominence shows just how deeply the homophobia ran. Um, like so, like if if the TV anchor disappearing doesn't spur uh, investigation, right? This what is if, like somebody you see daily. Exactly. Yeah, he's he's a he's a white TV anchor. He's a celeb local celebrity. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're a black gay man, well, fuck you, right? right? Yeah. Like it's, it's like it doesn't like nothing. Even though Warren had not been out, the mere fact that he was in Marks Park was enough for officials to ignore his disappearance. Eventually, the entire brief on his case was so-called lost. Right. It just never existed. Exactly. Just four months after Warren's disappearance, a 31-year-old gay man named John Russell was found dead on the cliffs. Hours earlier, he had been enjoying himself at a local gay bar. Had authorities cared, they would have noticed the coroner's evidence that Russell had been thrown from the cliff and not jumped. And perhaps they did see the truth and simply ignored it. Either way, Russell's death was ruled a suicide, as were the many other gay men found at the bottom of the cliffs over the years. Men such as Gillies Matain, I think. Uh, he was French. Matain. Gilles Matain. Yeah, sounds right. Uh, no. <laughs> Who had been reported missing by his friends, yet his report, like Warren's, was also, quote-unquote, lost, as were countless others. Out of the 100 cases that were ruled a suicide during this time, 27 have since been identified as foul play. Of course, the cases weren't forced back open until 20 years later. Shortly after that, shortly after they were reopened, state coroner's Jacqueline Millage, Millage spoke to the press concerning the initial investigation posed two decades earlier. She stated, yeah. Indeed, to characterize it as an investigation is to give it a label it does not deserve. Yeah. And to me, these people who basically ignored it should be charged with a crime of right? something negligence like... There's, I'm sure there's got to be some kind of law, like you clearly ignored this clear, like, a homicide. Exactly. Yeah, that's literally what they did. I mean, they, there was, like, uh, for um, Negligent Russell, something. for know. Russell, there was, like, hair fibers, like, stuck in his hands, like, where, like, he had grabbed someone. Right. And as he was being thrown off, like, it was so obvious mm-hmm. that he had been thrown off the cliffs. And you know and, what's terrifying to think of? He probably thought, I have to keep my hand closed and hold these hairs so they can find the person who did this to me while he was in. falling to his death. 
Yeah. And they didn't give a fuck. And they didn't give a fuck. They didn't do anything. Like, they just, just couldn't be bothered. Every, like, uh, evidence was lost. Evidence was tampered with. Evidence it's, wasn't evidence collected. Was you don't even take crime scene photos. Like, you don't even take pictures. You don't even canvas the area and say, hey, did you see this guy right. here? Like, not the most basic forms of investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, in Russell's um, case, I believe, no, no, this was the next one, um, which I did, forgot to put in here, but I'll remember to say it. So the reality is that everyone knew what was going on at the parks. Locals reported that they dared not venture out to the cliffs at night for fear of the violence that went on. The gangs joked that they were hunting as a public sport, just something one did when they were bored on the weekend. And law enforcement held a strong record of ignoring crimes against gay men and queer-presenting individuals. One chilling story tells of how a gay man escaped his captors and ran to a local apartment building, pressing the buzzers and begging someone to help him. A single cold voice responded, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to help no poofta. This mentality pervaded the Bondi area and really all of Australia at the time. While the gang members were most accountable for their actions, the public's deliberate blind eye cannot be ignored. An air of silence will always feed the oppressor and never the oppressed. It's like a scene out of a horror film where like, you're pushing the buzzers and like, please help me. They're trying to kill me, and you're just like, no, I ain't going to help no poof. That would be a chilling scene in a movie. If it, right? Yeah, that would be terrifying. <laughs> the stories of the hunting hunting's are horrific, showing how gay men were viewed as less than animals, such as the hanging of one man before throwing his body over the cliffs, or the teacher lured to a public restroom who is then stomped to death by a group of teens. Which, uh, just that interjecting there, that teacher, so what happened was these teenagers found a phone number written on um, a bathroom stall in like a gay cruising area. Mm -hmm. And so they assumed he must be gay. So they called the number, they lured him to the bathroom, and then they stomped him to death in the bathroom. Jesus. That would be a horrible way to die. I know. The The gangs became known as the Bondi Boys, though they seemed very loosely associated. Two other groups were also identified and lumped in with the Bondi Boys. The... Tamarama Gang and the Alexandria Eight. In all, there were about 20 teens from ages 15 to 18 who made a sport out of poofter bashing. And while boys made up most of the gangs, there were plenty of viol- there was plenty of violence done at the hands of a few girls who were part of the tribes. A victim stated years later about the girls, I remember seeing the girls. They were watching and laughing and still to this day it runs through my mind and they could sit there that they could sit there and do that. One night, several teens surrounded Alex Box boxel and beat him with a skateboard breaking his ribs another victim david mcmahon would later testify how after how a few of the boys caught him near mark's park on a dark evening they dragged him out to the cliffs with their girlfriends following and cheering them on then the young men began to beat mcmahon kicking and cursing and threatening to throw him off where he we threw the other dude Hmm. that would be the scariest night of my life i know right it's just yeah just like being surrounded and like the teens just like egging each other on because that's what teenagers do and it's not excusing them but like again 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 we're gonna go back to the point of like but why do teens think this is okay because Teenage, that's yeah. how they were if you think about it and if you're a teenager the things you've seen in the last five years really shape your views yep if you're 15 you don't really start paying attention and getting ideals until you're 10 you know mm-hmm. i mean you're, yeah. you're raised and you do get taught things but like your ideals i feel like start forming around 10 probably mm-hmm. not a scientist probably completely false on this but you know <laughs> like if you're seeing things in the news for five years mm-hmm. of how this is horrible all these fags all these poofters this these people who are less than yeah for five years and you're just now 15 like of course you're going to think they're less than. Yeah, exactly. And then you go and you, you know, and, and right. again. You take care of it you, you, for your country. You take and, care of the problem. Right. And again, the locals know what's going on. Like they won't even go out to the cliffs because there's violence. That, and that's the problem. Because rather than being like, oh, well, we have a problem with violent teenagers. Right. Let's address that problem. It's eh, everybody just avoid it so you don't get caught right. up in the mess. Just don't go. You, yeah. don't want the, you don't want to die. Don't go. Yeah. So for at least six years, they terrorized the gay community of Bondi Beach. Most of the murders have gone unsolved. And this they probably went before then, but when we're talking about this case in particular, mm-hmm. it was about six years. Even with the suspects interviewed, even with a few statements from survivors, sadly the evidence was long washed away by police. Boxell had been brave enough to report his attack to authorities. He even identified assailant David McAuliffe. But the, bo- but the police shrugged off Boxell's assault, proving to be another very fatal and very public mistake. 
Seven months after Boxtel's assault in July of 1990, a final known victim of the Bondi boys faced his fate. Kritikorn Radhanajarathaporn. I am sorry, but literally this is the longest last name I've ever seen in my life. And I, I and- don't... You know, if he was trying to sign up for a website today, he'd be pissed because he would not be. They have limits on like how many on characters. How many letters, and he would not be able to. So we don't mean any disrespect to the victim, but we really cannot say his last name. So we're just going to call him Critchicorn. or and that might even be I don't know. It's Australian Critchicorn. I don't know. But he was attacked by three men in Marks Park. One of the men was David McAuliffe, whom Boxell had identified as a bashier as a basher half a year earlier. And could have been in prison, you know. Exactly, that was the whole point. That's what made the case so public, was that then it came to light that this man had identified David McAuliffe seven months earlier and the police had done nothing about right. it. Right, so now yet another person's dead. Exactly. The boys beat Critchcorn severely with a hammer, driving him back to the cliff's edge. The extreme brutality of the crime forced officers to open an investigation. There was no passing this officer's suicide. Like, he was so bloody and beaten, they couldn't say. Because what would happen a lot is, like, they if would... If they just fell off the cliff, yeah, they're like, oh, he jumped. Well, they, well, they, he jumped, but also they would say, like, if there were bruisings on the body, they could say, oh, he hit the rocks as he was right. falling down. But uh, Critchcorn was so beaten, like, it was so obvious that he had been beaten with a, an instrument that they couldn't say it was a suicide, and it was so horrendous, and then when it came to light that McAuliffe had already been identified, that's when the media blew right. up, and people were like, oh, wow, I guess we should pay attention to what's happening with these teens. Eventually, three teenage boys were arrested, put on trial, and sentenced to prison for their crimes, though the sentences were relatively short in comparison to the fact that they had murdered a man. So, the problem is, there's very few... Uh, there's a lot of sensationalized articles mm-hmm. about this story. There's very few published works that are legitimate, and I could not find anything to tell me how long the boys served their sentence. I'm but sure it was like, it could be months to if, a few if months years. Have, well, I know enough to be like, it was very short. Like mm-hmm. one of the, the, the murderers went back to jail later, and he went back for like twice as long because he had assaulted his partner. So like, so you're thinking... You know, probably at the most like a year to maybe five years. It was a very short sentence Mm -hmm. that they received. At the time, few people believed the boys had done anything truly wrong. Even to this day, many of the known gang affiliates refused to acknowledge the atrocities of their crime. Dr. Adam Gaycar, Dr. Adam Graycar, (laughs) formerly director of the Australian Institute of Criminology, concurs explaining that some of the perpetrators do not believe they have done anything wrong and, in fact, expect society to applaud them for what they have done. But time has changed for some of the former gang members. One of the Tamarama three, the boys convicted of murdering Krichikorn, confessed that he had deep remorse for his guilt. And guess what? That You're going to fucking live the rest of your life and suffer, and then you're going to yeah. burn in hell. <laughs> that doesn't exist. And Paul so. has no <laughs> no sympathy. I, absolutely not. He I fucking, know. It's, yeah. Hell no. He gets I no know. sympathy. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean. Spit on him when you see him in the streets. Maybe not that. Well, because that goes into this whole thing. So the other. And so what happened was it's hard. It's really hard because. Um, no, he murdered innocent gay men. Spit on him if you see him in the street. Let me make my point. So a lot of my information was pulled from a thesis because it was the only real substantial thing that I could find other than there's a book which we'll recommend, but I couldn't get my hands on the book. Not in time for this. So um, anyway, so the thesis is written by Kristen Davis and she writes about how like like for so long, like the gay people are othered and, and it makes it acceptable for us to target them. And then it flips the script and now the teenagers are othered. And now no, they're not othered. They kill people. Listen to me. That's the difference. They're, the point is that they teaches them like they were just animals. They were deranged as if they were not normal people. But the reality is their views were the norm in Australian society. This care. was the entire group. Listen to me. My if point, they didn't kill anybody and they had just protested or something, fine. But they yeah. killed innocent people. No, I'm not. I'm not justifying. They're not saying that I'm okay. But I'm saying that when an entire when a society is sick, and you produce such violence, it's the society's fault as a whole, not just the teenagers. It's not that oh, these teens were just um, extreme. Like you, the locals did nothing. Law enforcement did nothing. They all encouraged this violence. So I know, but I know what you're saying. I don't have sympathy for the the guy who murdered someone. But I, but I, I do think that he was a young. He was like. 16 he was 16 years old okay what about the 16 year old mass shooters in america would you say don't spit on them if you see them in the street 
I wouldn't say I wouldn't say don't spit, I would on, spit them. on them. If I, saw I would them. say, but why do we have sixteen-year-old mass shooters? In no, this I agree thing? that there's a problem. Yeah, but still, they're the ones who committed the act. I agree that I think they that were what radicalized, is, but still. But it's easy to it's easy to stir up anger towards the towards the violence and not talk about why we have the violence. No, it's the easy, violence needs it's to be. It's easy to get everyone upset and be like, oh, yeah, that person, that that guy that shot up, he was just, it's the whole discussion of mental health. Oh, yeah, that shooter shot up because he's mentally ill. No, We're I not talking that, about the hatred that drives that mental illness. I so, agree. Yeah. But he's still the one that did it. He is still the one that did it. But if you don't talk about why we have, why we have the hatred... Also, but most of these guys that are shooting at places, I don't think they're mentally ill. No, they're I not. I think that they're at they're all. thriving on a survive on a society that where some people champion their abuse. Absolutely. And if you don't talk about that, the people championing the abuse, you're going to continue to have teenagers acting in such violent ways because teens are fucking stupid. Yep. They are stupid. Sorry, teenagers, we love you. Not not, not our teenagers. Half of our listener bases are like, wow. <laughs> Excuse me, delete. But no, teens. No, I don't want to say stupid. They're vulnerable and they're easily manipulated. That's Correct. you know, and they will take on the. They will adopt the ideas around them. And they don't have a view of the world. They're, they've only been, their whole life is only probably high school at this point. They yeah. don't have a broad view of the world. They don't know what's going on. So if they are drilled with this information daily, of course it's going to radicalize exactly. them. Exactly. Of course it's going to cause them to be extreme. And again, so again, it doesn't ex- excuse them, but it's to say that like, this is a lot different than a guy in his 40s going out and and murdering a bunch of of queer people than a guy and then a kid who's 16 getting caught up in the in the gang violence and and you know mm-hmm. buying into the ideas anyways so <laughs> the whole point was that the uh one of the the victims or one of the um not the victims one of the gang members we don't have the name because his name was not released he told the investigator rick Fennelly of sbs news that he regretted his actions and had wanted others to feel as miserable and lonely as he did which that's kind of a shit excuse. Yeah. Um, they feel dead. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I think that's how they feel. He also passed along this statement to the victim's family. I'm sorry I took your son's life that night. If I wasn't there, then he would not have died. I denied him the opportunity to a full and happy life. I caused immeasurable pain and loss in your family. For this, I am sorry. Um, he also is still free and he has his own family today. Yeah, so. exactly. Spit on him. <laughs> Anyways, you S- could go. Several other former bashers have spoken with regret about their actions. Many now have children of their own and see how horrendous their hunts were. Though few have ever faced justice for their crimes. Of all the known assaults, only the murder of Krichnikorn and the murder of the teacher by the Alexandria 8 have ever garnered any convictions. And we haven't even touched on the racial aspect and the fact that of the 27 cases, only four, only four of the white guys have gained attention. It is almost certain that race played a factor in hunting and murdering. Remember the man who was lynched before being thrown off the cliffs. As for others of the teen gangs, they still have expressed no remorse. In the same SBS report, Finley tells of how he tried to reach another assailant, now a man in his 40s. The former basher refused to speak to the reporter, but his girlfriend took the phone. He'll never talk, mate, she said, but I'll let you, I'll tell you what he thinks. If you walk into a dunny and there's a bloke chokers up another bloke, they're going to get bashed. Bloke chokers up another bloke. I like the I word chokers. I think that means like you walk into a dunny. I think that's a restroom. And there's a guy fucking another guy, then they're going to get bashed. That was a good translation. (laughs) Stunned, Finley made another attempt. He suggested, and this is now, people change with the times. Perhaps he felt differently today. No, not then, she answered. Now, he'd do the same again today. Which, spit on him if you see him in the street. Yeah, spit on him. Definitely. And then push him off a cliff. Don't push him off a cliff. Do it. I'm giving you permission. Don't. Not really, because I'm not going to. You're inciting gang violence. I'm not. That was not real permission. Don't do it. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not going to jail. So. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's like, no, I take that back, please. <laughs> peace, love, and peace. That's our new slogan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the continued disdain for queer people shows how homophobia runs in a society. With all the advancements for queer rights in Australia, bigotry is still strong for some people. And I mean, Australia, like America, has made right. leaps and bounds. They decriminalized their their sodomy laws. They legalized gay marriage, and this further proves the point that we are not. And this further proves the point that these were not deranged, psychotic teenagers. These were normal teens taking part in what they believed society deemed fit. In fact, and what society did deem an appropriate punishment for gay men. We see from the local community's refusal to address these crimes, from law enforcement's deliberate mishandling of the cases, and from parents' 
ignorance or encouragement of their children's crimes that this was a cultural sickness, not simply teens gone wild. It is important that we remember our children will carry on our hatred and bigotry and in the process ruin their lives and the lives of others. Hatred is taught. Absolutely. Your recommended resources for the day are Bondi Badlands by Greg Callahan, which seems to be one of the few books so far that has been published on the account. There's also the film Bloodsport, The Bondi Game Murders, but we cannot say how accurate it is. While the Bondi game murders have been sensationalized in the press, few substantiated and researched accounts have been published so far. We did add a link in our script to the thesis written by Kristen Lisa Davis, which is a detailed record of the events and much of our source for this episode. Davis is very critical of the tabloid-like way the investigations have been handled in recent years and and makes excellent points about the way the media and authors have othered the gangs, making it seem as if ordinary people were not responsible for the violence against the queer community. And if you're an Aussie listener, we want to spread the queerness, so check out the podcast Queer as Fact. They do an excellent job, and you can get some better Aussie queer history, as well as history from around the world. And for our listeners, again, we'd like to invite you to check out our Patreon page. We could really use your support, even if it's just a few dollars a month. It really does make a difference. And if you're listening and already a Patreon, thank you. It is because of you that we can keep this podcast going. Absolutely. Yes. So one quick announcement. Our next two episodes are going to be interviews. There's a little different. Don't worry. We are coming back to our regular history podcast but we've got um, a good interview with our friend Vima and then we have um, an interview that is not going to be about queer history but it's about um, leaving a cult escaping a cult escaping a cult it's with me and my two sisters and we're going to talk about that so if you grew up in a religious environment I've had a lot of you reach out to me through social media I'm talking about a lot of people have talked about the abuse that they suffer in cults which by the way we do have our Facebook group LGBTQ um survivors what is it what's our, our your queer story and lgbt support group uh, yeah your queer story and lgbt support group that's different than our facebook page right um so that support group and we were actually talking about this this week with one survivor but if you've experienced religious trauma um then you should check out that episode because it would be beneficial and uh, so then we will be back the following week so next two weeks are interviews and then we'll be back with our regular um history podcasts so stay queer don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. And our succulent saphists. And our proud homocrats. And please get chakas deep in some guy's ass. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.